Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Novel podcast. My name is Ailish and I am the Nova Coach. I'm joined today by the wonderful, vibrant Lorna King. Lorna King is a certified coach who supports high-performing leaders to develop their personal brand, as well as build a culture of kindness and confidence within their teams. She works in a semi-governmental organization where she's responsible for employer brand management and talent attraction. She has a special interest in diversity and inclusion and leads a community for women who want more, who can get involved with by visiting projectathena.me. Lorna, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Elish. I think it's long overdue. Oh, so long overdue. I'm absolutely delighted to have you here. And yeah, we were just saying as you came in, it's been a while since we crossed paths. Yes, probably early pandemic, I would say. It was definitely before the pandemic. Yes. Yeah. Things were just getting weird. Yes, <laughs> they were. They were. Um, so I suppose we'll tell our listeners, you can tell our listeners how our paths crossed. Do you remember oh, the first time we met? I do, yes. What? Oh, that's such a cute moment. <laughs> uh, so it was back in Toastmasters. Mm-hmm. So for people who don't know what Toastmasters is, it's a place that you can go and it's a very structured way to develop your pers- public speaking. Um, and yeah, Ailish turned up one time and I happened to be sat next to her and she introduced herself as a life coach and I was like, I want to know more about this girl because I was at that point looking at taking on training. So mm. we got chatting and yeah, it was it was um, the beginning of something kind of cool. Yeah. And I remember the training you started was the one I ended up doing the second training in. Yes. Yeah, yes. I remember that. Obviously, I gave it a good review. Yeah, because <laughs> I remember when you told me which one you were doing and I was like, oh, I was like, that's the second one I really want to do. But like, yeah, it was like such a big commitment, but I went for it anyway. It was Indeed. such an amazing training. training and I can't believe it? you're on the other side of that now because it's a pretty intense journey. It is. Yeah, it's very robust. Yes. Yeah. Both of us on the other side. Yes, proudly so. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a bit about you, Lorna. Who are you? Oh, um, gosh, where to start? I am someone who... Who am I? God, why do you start with the hard questions? <laughs> <laughs> where are you from? People are probably wondering where the accent's from. <laughs> Good question. Okay, so I am from Bolton, which is just north of Manchester in England. Um, I've had the accent sort of diluted, I guess, along the way. Mm. But yeah, I moved to Abu Dhabi about just over eight years ago now, and it's very much home for me. Oh, I love it. And for you, when we, when I think of like the word Novatoriant, where Nova has come from, it means to desire or seek a powerful change. So for you, how does that relate to your life eight years ago? Yeah, this was a new word on me, um, so I'm glad you provided a definition. <laughs> um, there was probably a standout moment for me. I almost wasn't looking for it. I was in a job. I'm a digital marketer by trade, and I was working um, at a big hospital here, and I was so focused on my marketing career, and I just felt like I wasn't getting anywhere, despite you know taking on more responsibility, more projects, driving innovation, leading a team. And yet my personal growth, uh, I guess, progression rather than growth just wasn't following. And someone sort of tapped me on the shoulder one day and he was training as a coach and he was like, you know, do you want to be my client? I said, sure. Didn't really know what I was signing up for, but 
that was a real turning point for me and you know led me into the desire to want to be a coach and specifically do that coach training because whatever he did to me I was just like wow I need to do this for other people Mm. so that was the start of quite a journey I'd say and can you talk me through like what was it like for you on the receiving end let's say in the client Mm. chair I didn't know what to anticipate, which is probably a good thing because it's a bit of a mind-bending experience if you've never been coached before. Um, The way they bring out the answers in yourself can sometimes, like the answers can seem obvious, but it's like a moment of realization where you're like, whoa, you know, here's a pattern or here's what's holding me back or of course this isn't working. Mm -hmm. And it just really helps you get clear on where you want to go and what's sort of holding you back and, and how to move forward. And it just changes every aspect of your life, even though you go in over one topic normally. It mm. often branches out, as you know. It has a ripple effect, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, yeah. it does. And yeah. I often say to people, I describe it as, I'm just here to, to be your wing mirror, to yes. let you know of your wing, your blind spots. Yes. You know, and I think, um, yeah, I, coaching is so powerful. It really is to see how people can transform within themselves and Mm -hmm. and to take ownership of themselves, you know. Yeah, and it's so different from mentorship. And I think that's the definition that sometimes gets lost. Um, You know, I I encourage people to have mentors as well because they can give you specific advice, but nobody's living the life you're living, regardless of if they're Mm. one aspect of their life is where you want to go career wise, for example. They won't have the same personal circumstances. They won't have the same personality. So their advice was good for them, but it might not be quite right for you. So the thing I love about coaching is that it's completely tailored to you as a human, like 360. It is, yeah. It's a great way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for you, what was the catalyst or motivation for you to seek a change? Um, that feeling of being stuck, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. You just get to a point where working harder just doesn't seem to be working. Mm. And um, luckily for me, that opportunity tapped me on the shoulder and I wish I'd have found a way to get through that earlier, but you are where you are, you know? Yeah, and I suppose timing is everything, really, It really is, yeah. Yeah. Like it could have been too early, you know? Yes, Yeah, like I do believe everything does happen for a reason at the time when it's needed, yeah, you definitely perceive the same thing in different ways at different stages of your life. Like, you know, when you post it on Instagram or scrolling through Instagram and you see a quote and one day you'll just scroll past it and the next day you're like, whoa, this is speaking to me. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is about sort of mood you're in and yeah, so. Yeah, where you are in life. Yeah, exactly. That's very true. Um, so for you, what was exciting about embarking on, it, it, would we say the training is what you want to talk about, that being your change, or expat itself, becoming an expat? Gosh, I mean, becoming an expat was something that I'd always wanted to do. Since, really? Uh, yeah, a teenager, I'd always okay. wanted to live overseas, I didn't really have the word for it. But So that for me was was quite an exciting and an easy change. I loved the chaos of it. I loved the newness of it and throwing myself in there, making a whole new social network. So that for me was, I wouldn't say simple. It's never simple. Nothing worth having is. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was a very excited and enjoyable experience. And yeah, I just took the bull by the horns and I loved it. And can you, I suppose, expand there on like, what was going through your mind when you were about to embark on it? Like, were you 
were you so sure of what you were going to do here or did you land here with a job or did you apply beforehand? I had, so let's take it back to sort of when I was 18 years old. I was working across Europe in campsites, um, often running the kids clubs. Sometimes I was cleaning caravans, I did ski season. So I'd had all these sort of short interludes where I'd gone and lived in a different country with a British company. Um, And I really enjoyed that. You know, it's really character shaping. I met really interesting people and got to live somewhere for a short time that was, you know, interesting Mm -hmm. places to explore. But it wasn't translating into a career. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I went back to the UK, I started a job in, you know, building society and the recession was hitting in 2008. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got made redundant a couple of times at the age of 18, 19. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) this isn't what I was expecting. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's much more commonplace now. But at the time, you didn't expect to be made redundant, at, you know, in your teens. Mm. So I thought I'll go to university and I'll weather out the storm type thing. And I got a job after university um, in Salford, just outside of Manchester. And I was doing the commute. Uh, I was working for Bupa, which was the start of my sort of healthcare marketing journey. And actually, it was a breakup. Um, it's, it's funny when I look back now, we weren't dating that long, but I felt like totally heartbroken. And I told my friend, I said, I'm going to come out and visit you. Um, like, can I jump on a plane to Abu Dhabi? And um, by the way, do you know of any jobs? <laughs> right, so, okay. Yeah, and she was just resigning from hers at that time for another opportunity. And I said, you know, I don't want to encroach too much, but would you mind putting my CV in front of your boss? So a few weeks later, I came out to Abu Dhabi and I was expecting to hopefully get an interview, but he was away. Um, and I didn't know it at the time, but that first day was when I met the person who's now my husband. Oh my gosh. Um, and, you know, I went back telling my friends I've had this holiday romance, didn't think it would go anywhere, but we stayed in touch and he was like, look, if you really want to, this job, you're going to have to be less British. Like, you have to be less polite and a little bit more pushy. And I was like, oh, gosh, I can't do that. <laughs> you know, I'm asking for a job. I need to be, you know, uh, give them time to respond to me. He's like, get on a flight, ask them to see you. And, uh, yeah, the rest was history. So that was wow. some sage advice. He'd been a long-term expat by that point already. Right. Um, but yeah, it definitely helped because I tried for jobs in other countries, like mm-hmm. English-speaking countries, and you know, a few of them said we just don't believe that you would come out here and stay here. And I was like, oh gosh, these people don't know me at all. Right. But yeah, you really have to show your mettle sometimes. I think. Wow, that was so brave of you to just be like, okay, here I am. <laughs> I'm committed. Like, give me the job. Yeah, they they really had no reason to pluck a girl out of Salford and and put me in a. Wow, what was a a military hospital I was working in, um, hospital management. But they they did it, and I'm glad they took a chance on me, and I'm still friends with that boss today, actually. Um, We've formed a very close relationship. So, yeah, it's lovely. That is so cool. Yeah. And do you mind sharing, like, um, you met your husband the first day you came here, and then went back to England, and then came back to actually move here permanently? I did, yeah. Yeah. There's a few pieces to that story. I mean, the, the first part isn't that romantic you know <laughs> I went to Dubai on the first day my friend me and her boyfriend and they had the bachelor party the night before um so they all met in this English pub and I was like this is the last place I want to be I've just literally left Manchester mm. um but we had a great day it was a, a great laugh and you know we stayed in touch and so on um but when I moved here about four months after that I was very keen to keep him at arm's length because I really wanted Abu Dhabi to work out uh, mm-hmm. more than the relationship at that point. Mm-hmm. So I thought, 
I, I need to make this work like you because he was in Dubai mm-hmm. you know you can come up and see me now and again but you know I threw myself into the social scene and made sure I built my own network before investing in, in him too heavily but thankfully he was the right choice too so yeah. everything worked out oh I'm so happy to hear that <laughs> that's so cool how like I suppose you were so um what's the word I suppose independent but there's a better word for it it's failing me now but the fact that you you put yourself first I was determined yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew what I wanted and, yeah and for me that was a, a lifestyle and the, the husband was just the icing on the cake Aww. I guess yeah oh I like that so for you was there any um plan you had coming here did you have this long-term plan of being it was just a one two year plan or did it just kind of snowball as we always do (laughs) one more year I never came out with for me I just wanted to move abroad and and that was the end of my aspirations so when I got here you know getting through those difficult few months especially the I don't know I don't want to say bureaucracy but there's a lot of things you have to do that get here that are very frustrating and find accommodation and get ID sorted and it's very laborious. Um, so getting through that and then I, I guess once I managed that and built my friendship circle, it was about my career. Then how do I build my career? And um, 18 months afterwards, I got an interview at the the big hospital that was opening at the time, and that was such an exciting project to be part of. You know, pre-launch of a well-funded startup essentially and an international brand so um yeah after that it was all about the career right and for you then did you like just to build on that did you envision then your career being here like for a very long time it's one of those things where I've never really questioned it I think Mm. the only time I start to question that is when I think, okay, where are we going to put down roots in the future? Because right now this is home. You know, I met my husband, I've had two children and I've built my career here. I'm happy here. There's so much to do and see and enjoy. Um, but you you are always left wondering without the citizenship options and, you know, what is next? So it's only when I think about the long term, I start to get the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. It's funny because that has come up now three times. This is the third time it's come up. It came up with the guest two weeks ago, came up with the guest last week, and now again. Like, it really is something that does kind of hang in the background. It does. It's, um, it? it's a shame. I mean, who knows? It might have all sorted itself out by the time that, you know, I'm looking to retire, <laughs> whenever yeah. that is. But no, I'll stay in Abu Dhabi as long as it serves me. You know, if a better mm. opportunity comes along, then I would definitely take that, you know, um, opportunity. But... Yeah, right now it's working out for us. And I mean, we were just saying during this pandemic, especially, we're very, very blessed to to live in a place like this where, you know, we're, we're well looked after and the options are quite broad. Yeah. Yeah, we are very fortunate. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Yeah. The, the pandemic really exposed that um, side to the UAE, which I had never realised. You know, like it gave me a newfound um, gratitude for where I am because I... I personally was always so fortunate and um, a wrong word. I was always so grateful for being here. But the pandemic made me realise they really are determined to look after everyone, not just locals, you know. They really make that commitment to make it countrywide. And, of course, they're very lucky with the resources that they can do that, you know. Yes. They have that ability. But, um, yeah, I totally echo what you're saying. Very, yeah. very blessed, yeah. 
even prior to this, I mean, the safety records are, you know, pretty impeccable. It's, mm. you feel very confident living here as, you know, anybody but a woman and a woman with children. You, it's, it's nice not to have the same concerns as you might have back in your native country. Yeah. Yeah, I never thought of it like that from the perspective of like being a mom mm. of children that you can, I suppose you go to a park and you don't really need to have those other worries, you know? Yeah, you never want to get complacent, but I, I have noticed that when I go back to the UK and I walk through the streets in Manchester, I'm suddenly much more conscious of my belongings, my direction, mm. all the things that you don't really have to think about when you're here, which is a blessing. Yeah, yeah, it is. So... Lorna, tell me, were there any um, moments that were like shock or um, where you had a moment of realisation that, ah, okay, I'm onto something, like, I think I could make a home here? Um, I very much made it home from the beginning, I guess, not being able to get the accommodation sorted. You get sort of three weeks in a hotel and I had two suitcases and not being able to find accommodation or process the paperwork fast enough to have somewhere for me to live. That was pretty stressful. I was having dreams about all these apartments that I'd seen that would suddenly get snatched away. And that was... Um, but once you've got your base sorted, I think that is a good foundation for then making it work, right? Yeah. So, but for you, I mean, when you... Dis- like, was the moment, let's say, when you met your husband that you were like, okay, I could make a home here? Like, was there any moment like that where you kind of had an aha, like, okay... I don't think I ever doubted it. I came right. here looking to, to set up my life right. in a so new location. Yeah. As you landed. Wow, okay, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah like I said, I never really had that, that fixed term plan. I was just like, I'm, I'm moving to Abu Dhabi and it was an open-ended it sentence. It was indefinite. Right, yeah. okay, I know what you mean. Okay. I suppose I'm coming from the perspective of like being a teacher where it's just always like a rollover contract. Every year we renew it. It's like, okay, we'll do one more year. Okay, we'll do one more year. You know, yeah. so that's um, an interesting way of looking at it. I think we're blessed as well to come from countries where we have the option to go back. So mm-hmm. it, it feels like it's always there waiting for us. And I feel a bit guilty when I say that sometimes because not everybody has that option. Yeah. Um, I don't plan to move back to the UK anytime soon. I would love to explore another location, if anything. But um, it's nice to know that there is a home, in inverted commas. Yeah. Inverted. Yeah. Uh, quotations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bunny ears. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've got a home to go to, you yeah. know. Uh, you've got that national identity. And sometimes I feel a bit jealous of all the people here because of this such a rich culture. There's people from, you know, mixed backgrounds, third generation brought up here. Um, and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm Lorna and I'm just from England. Uh, it feels a bit like 2D. But, you know, I do have that strong identity tied to the UK still. And I make mm. sure that my children who've been born here go back every summer and, you know, uh, connect with that culture and their family back home so they also have that. You know, that's interesting because that's something I was thinking about. Like, how do you um, explain to your children, like, do they identify with being British? Yeah. It's a bit complicated because my son is four and my daughter's only 18 months. My son, when you ask him where he's from, he'll say Abu Dhabi. Mm-hmm. Um, but they make a big uh, thing about like International Day here and bring something from your home culture. And we try and tell him he's British and I'm sure he will identify as British at some point. But it's nice that he has that cross-cultural experience and he's exposed mm-hmm. to so many nationalities here. And he'll always be more, you know, international than, than I ever was. So yeah. 
you are very international. Yeah, I'm getting that way. Yeah, but even <laughs> when you described how you had been with that British company going mm. around Europe, mm. it does sound like travel was always kind of interwoven in your life. I think it's just experiencing new things mm. and um, what I've learned now, because you can get really tied to this identity of, you know, I'm someone who loves to travel well. When it comes to it, it's, I love new experiences and I'm, I'm learning to find those within Abu Dhabi mm-hmm. and not having to keep chasing the next country. So yeah, open to it, but it's not the only thing. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, were there any tools that you used to help you adjust to the life here at the beginning? The one that stands out to me is Meetup. Um, I'd seen it in the UK. I thought it was a bit weird. And then you come here and realise that everybody's in the same situation. Everyone's you know, uprooted themselves, uh, or the majority of people. And it's not, I guess it comes with age as well, it's not embarrassing to want to find friends, um, find people with common interests, and that's what Meetup really does. It allows you to meet over the same interests. So I joined a cocktail club, did wine and cheese evenings, and there'd be like outdoor festivals in winter here. And the other big one for me was the hiking groups. So again, I was like leaving my then boyfriend at home and, and jumping in a car with a, a group of strangers but mm. then you know hitting the road and going to Fajera and yeah it was it was and that, I guess actually now I think about it the first time I went through the mountains in Fujera, I felt like this is like a country I can jam with because right. until that point you sort of go between the cities off in Dubai, Alain, Abu Dhabi and it's all very interesting in its own way but to go back to that nature and see the the rawness of the country in some places going through that pass in Fujairah like wow mm. I was like okay I'm home yeah. are you talking about where the road is cut yeah. out in the mountain yeah yes. it's really cool isn't it yes yeah yeah it's such a contrast to the city life it really is and then suddenly you're on a beach and you know you're snorkeling and there's clownfish and like there's turtles around it's absolutely fantastic so mm. and we, we still camp now I invite my husband along yeah <laughs> <laughs> we do it slightly differently because he's a bit more high maintenance than me um so now we've got the airbed and the cool box and a bit more like glamping, but yeah. we still do a lot of beach camping and mountains and yeah, it's a, it's a nice balance for the city life. Yeah, yeah. Um, I could, cause I'm just thinking now I always see your photos on Facebook and yeah, you've got not, you have a nice community of doing yes. the camps. Yeah. 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 We're planning to do one this Thursday actually. So I'm looking oh, forward wow. to that. Probably the last one of the season with the way that the mm. heat's kicking up. <laughs> and would it get quite cold in the desert at night? Uh, yeah in January early February time but it's it's a very brief period um Mm -hmm. more often than not you're sort of dealing with with temperatures being a little bit too hot for comfort but yeah so January February the best months Mm, I think there's probably a sweet spot in December and March where it's like perfect January and February go oh this is really cold you know compared to British dance it's really not (laughs) Um, but we abandoned a trip just a couple of weeks ago when there was a dip in the temperature we were like maybe we should just go sleep at home it's a bit chilly I didn't bring a jumper type thing so. right right <laughs> interesting I've never camped in the desert I really need to do it mm. yeah there you go to. Thursday you've got your invite oh <laughs> thank you oh okay so for you um was there a, a moment of kind of um I don't know if this is going to relate to what you were saying now because I know you said from the the moment you came here you were just like here indefinitely but was there a moment of com- committing to Abu Dhabi or accepting this is your your second home? Yeah, it's not something I identify with. Yeah. It's really um, 
unusual, but no. But that's great, though. Honestly, <laughs> it, it just sounds like it's um, so fluid. I think when I'm determined to make something work, I don't really question it. And that mm. has worked in my disadvantage before. I've pushed too hard at things that weren't right for me. But thankfully, I mean, Abu Dhabi's a bit of a blank canvas. You can really make what you want of it. Mm. Whether it is that outdoorsy life, the thrills of the theme parks, whether it's going to the beach. Like, there's really something for everyone here. So yeah. I wasn't barking up the wrong tree that time. Yeah, yeah. Do you mind me asking, um, how does it compare, I suppose, the private sector life? to I suppose coming from a a teaching perspective like do you see many differences in the way we are as expats so my experience has all been government related right so I worked with the military hospital then I worked for um multinational hospital and um now I'm working in you know one of the prominent oil and gas industries um, so there's always been that really uh, big emphasis on UA national talent, and that's now part of our job, right, with talent attraction. It's also yeah. about fostering the next generation of UA nationals as well as um, attracting international talent to making sure that we're really helping them develop and like leave that legacy of, um, I don't know, the, the brilliant people. Um. No, so are you involved in the amortization process? Not specifically, right. but obviously when it comes to talent acquisition, which is the team I work in now, that is always going to be high on the agenda. So we focus on UAE nationals, but mm-hmm. also there's a lot of technical roles that we need to in, uh, recruit internationally for, and gender balance is another key area um, wow. across the world, but particularly within oil and gas, it's, it's, there's a long way to go. Yeah. So okay. it's nice that we're now putting that as a focus, and there's a lot we can do within talent acquisition there. So... Can you talk us through, let's say, like a typical day in your in your office? Like, what, what is it you actually work on when it comes to, like, attracting that talent? Yeah, so it, it's everything. So when I think about um, the candidate journey, firstly, people need to know who we are. And then mm-hmm. they need to associate that with, hopefully, a set of values, a, a mission. Everybody wants to work for a company. It's not just about your salary and you know, having a nice office. It's about making you feel like you're making a difference. Um, With oil and gas, it's sometimes, you know, not everybody's cup of tea, but it's fairly young country, fairly young company. So, and like you say, it's a very resource rich company. So again, you're working in this environment where you can make a mark, you can make a big difference in something that really supports the economy. Um, And, you know, that, that is the uh, I guess dream we're trying to sell um, you know you can go and work out there for the big multinational organizations but you're not going to be able to make that same impact so it's creating campaigns like that then looking at touch points such as the careers website making sure the content's there mm. um, helping people understand what it's like to work in that environment and also I you know the systems that support that but the people are so important so I'm the engagement champion right. and I love it because when you put people first, they will put the candidates first, the business first. Uh, essentially, um, a type of customer service, right, in mm. recruitment, they're calling people and, and trying to um, make them make a decision that is going to alter the course of their life. Whether they're moving countries or not, moving jobs is often a huge deal and mm. changes that trajectory. So, yeah, the happier they are and the more engaged they are, then the better service we will deliver and they will go off and innovate. And that's the the piece I really love. So talk me through, how does coaching come into your line of work then? 
It's come in in a few different ways. So when I was at the hospital, um, they, a lot of these big organizations have their own coaching programs. So they right. actually put me through my second co- coaching certification um, in order to coach sort of managers in the hospital, doctors, hospital administration. Um, it's a key part of leadership and leadership is required in every industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in my current role, I mean, you'll know it. It's one of those skills that you use in every conversation, whether you're trying to negotiate your objectives with your boss, whether you're trying to influence someone to you know, be more active on LinkedIn, which is a huge um, underutilized platform, I believe, um, changing behaviors. So in that sense, I use it daily. Um, but then also I work with leaders on their personal brand, helping them sort of position themselves in support of their career goals or their company goals. And... Yeah, I, I facilitate a lot of workshops as well. Um, so it, it fits in really nicely between the HR piece, the marketing piece, you know, the market research piece, uh, the engagement stuff. It, I use it every day. Wow. Yeah. I'm actually really impressed by that, that you're using it in government um, companies. Yeah, I yeah. mean, coaching is a, is a style of communication, right? It it's is, yeah. um, how do you pull the best out of people? Mm-hmm. And that is useful in every scenario. It is, it is, yeah. yeah. They do have their own robust um, coaching program as well, but I'm not officially part of that. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's high on the agenda for a lot of companies. Wow, okay, yeah. that's so good to hear, isn't it? It is, yeah. it is, yeah. It's very Absolutely. Um, progressive. I think people have realised they can't afford not to. You know, you've mm. got these executives... Yeah, well, I mean, it's useful at every level of the organization, but when you are trusting someone with people's livelihoods and investments and, you know, decisions for the future of the company, you need to make sure those people are operating at their best, right? Mm. And the best need coaches. When we look at sports stars, yeah. et cetera, yeah. all the best ones have a coach. Yeah, and to be um, transparent also in their communication. Yeah, I can hear one of your personal values coming out here, but yes, yeah, that's so important. Yeah, 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 it is a value of mine to, to create that trust. Yes. I think it's so important to build that within a company between the employer and the employee. Oh, this, the, I could go on about this for days, but yeah, the more you understand yourself as a leader, the better you can lead, the more authentic you are. Otherwise, people can sort of get into bad habits that they've you know, picked mm. up along the way from previous managers. And unfortunately, a lot of people are promoted based on technical expertise and not given the people part of it mm. before they're promoted. So, yeah, sometimes there's some catching up to do. But, I mean, anybody who's willing to make that change and seek help, like, I commend them because mm. you can make or break someone's day, year, career. Um, so why not use your sort of power for good? Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. So for you, Lorna, so far because um, I know Abu Dhabi is home how have you used this opportunity for growth in your life I there's not been an area that's untouched I guess my career has flourished here there's been a lot of opportunities I wouldn't have otherwise had um, and I made a family and I took the coaching program I got a bit more disposable income to sort of do those things so hopefully I'm really setting myself up. Um, the best investment is yourself, right? Mm. Um, and the experiences I've had here, I, I really can't complain. You know, I feel like once you have done the work on yourself, you are able to transition into other environments a lot more easily. And yeah, I'm, I'm thinking now about the transition into the global pandemic as well. I feel a lot more equipped to deal with that last year had it happened five years ago I think it would have gone to pieces yeah um but yeah 
I managed to make positive change even in face of you know challenging circumstances yeah yeah adversity yeah and for you have there been any lessons learned since your move to Abu Dhabi many yeah (laughs) I think you really have to appreciate that it's I mean the western perspective is so dominant in our narrative we just assume that everybody thinks like us in a way and you get to this place that's neither east nor west and I mean there's just so much that's different and it's it's been eye-opening honestly and I've definitely made a few faux pas along the way I mean who doesn't when you're taking risks right and the cultural aspect still fascinates me to this day I still learn new things Mm. um it's and it's progressing as well every year I mean eight years ago it was a different place a different you know we're in Ramadan now and it's it's unrecognizable to eight years ago so it's it's fascinating watching it grow and evolve and seeing the pace of change I love that yeah and they've become a lot more inclusive yeah which is wonderful to see they have yeah yeah it's a very interesting times very interesting place yeah I I think so Mm. I think it's definitely a place where um because the country's so young they're they're open to new change they're open to let's say trialing something new and I think that's what makes it so exciting. There's yes. always something new happening. Absolutely, you know? yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited for the 50th in, Jan- Are you? in uh, <laughs> December. I really am. Because I really feel like the UAE is the kind of place, go big or go home. Yes. You know, and I really... That's fair to say. Yeah. And like, so far, everything has been on such a large scale. I can't imagine how big it's going to be December 2nd for their 50th National Day. Because I think... A lot of the push with the vaccination process, I think, is with that goal mm-hmm. that everyone can celebrate, you know. That would be something, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, I, but I think that's what their their target is, that they want the country to be able to celebrate their 50th um, National Day feeling safe. Yes. You know, and like, to be fair, it would be a shame if that was postponed you know because they already had to postpone the expo by a year yes they did it's um it's unthinkable really I mean national day is such a dynamic time of year people Mm. are so enthusiastic and the they they love their leaders and the leaders have done a lot for them so you can sort of understand um it's just such an energetic celebration Mm -hmm. and you do miss it like last year obviously it wasn't the same Mm. and there's really nothing else like it. I don't think I've ever seen such love for a country from expatriates and nationals alike. Yeah. Well, apart from my own home country now, Ireland, I have to say. <laughs> I, th- I think glo- on a global scale, I think we're very we're very well represented for St. Patrick's Day, if I do say so myself. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> That's incredibly biased of me to say <laughs> as an Irish person. But I, I do, from an Irish perspective, I see huge... Um, parallels like there's so much we have in common that's really nice yeah Irish and Emiratis I think um the patriotism that they have and um just the passion they have behind their flag yes you know which is completely the opposite in the UK it's almost tinged with a bit of shame when you um show patriotism because of the you know it's a very divided country and patriotism has become synonymous with anti-immigration yeah Um, I know what you mean yeah yeah Yeah. so it's it's a tricky topic um Mm. and you know 
yeah so it's nice that they have a sort of an undiluted love for their country whereas yeah. in the UK I think it's a bit tricky there's a lot to love about the UK don't mm-hmm. get me wrong I love to visit there I love the countryside and the, the northern people especially mm-hmm. and all those sort of quirks um but yeah it's different yeah um so Lorna if you want we can go straight into our quick fire round you can do anything else it. you want to share nope no? I think I've spilled everything that there yeah. is to know no that's great thank you for sharing so for you Lorna what is the first thing you notice about a person I think that energy mm. when someone is confident and they are often it, it just sort of beams out of their face you know that true confidence mm. that comes with authenticity self-assuredness um, self-assuredness yeah it shows in the way they dress the way they walk the way they treat other people you can sense it a mile off yeah you can you really can yeah what habits have improved your life mm, apart from getting a coach uh, <laughs> I think I mean my smoothie in the morning that's my hit of nutrients when I, I can't be bothered to sort of forage for food it's just a, a no-brainer and I would say questioning everything okay staying curious staying curious yes yeah. I like that's from the coaching I guess it is, That's yeah. Coactive, yeah, it is. I love that. Um, what is on your bucket list? Oh, gosh. It's always been for me about making a difference, even if it's within a relatively small circle. I would just love to make a positive impact that then goes on to pay forward. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with the, the Project Athena thing, it's all about finding opportunities for other people and watching them rise and shine and then hopefully, you know, one day paying that forward. So I just like to be the facilitator of, of success. So, yeah. Share with us more about Project Athena. I'm sorry we're only talking about it now. Please <laughs> okay. tell us about how it was set up. Um, it was at the point, I guess, it was just before the pandemic hit. I was on maternity leave and I'd been really struggling with depression during my pregnancy. Um, between burnout and the hormones everything just sort of culminated in this this really I guess dark time and like I said the frustrations with the job and not getting anywhere and I just thought nobody you know everybody deserves to feel like they can make a difference and just be nice to each other I think there's just not enough of people helping each other in this world so women are my passion I think um, I'd love to help everybody but women in particular have certain conditions that they've grown up with um, that sometimes makes us a bit more humble than actually serves us. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I wanted to gather sort of like-minded women together and I got some coaches who specialize in different things and just got the conversation going really. Um, held events and personal branding and life purpose and all mm-hmm. those sort of coaching elements, I guess. Mm-hmm. And just... Um, try to connect people and and tell their stories as well there's a lot of interesting people that I know just in my own circle so then when I started reaching out it was just beautiful to make those connections and and have a starting point to to talk about and put them on a bit of a pedestal which doesn't happen often enough I know I know so can you talk us to um I suppose that the beginning of um choosing the name Project Athena where did the name come from well, it started as women who want more because... Oh, I remember this. Yes. I just woke up one day and I was like, I'm going to do this. And I thought, well, what will people think? And I was like, shut up, you. And yeah, <laughs> put yeah. that thought back in the box and I just sort of launched it. And as I went along, I realised it was a bit of a mouthful. Um, I love what it represented. Um, but I needed to find something that 
was a bit more succinct. And like I say, because the the mental health challenge that I'd been through on the way as part of my pregnancy journey was so um, pivotal, I guess, in, in creating this. Um, I went with the name Athena, which is my daughter's middle name. And oh. obviously I chose that because I thought it was a powerful name as well, right? Mm. It's um, the goddess of wisdom and war. Right. So it reminds me of the serenity prayer, you know, uh, choosing which battles and... <laughs> yes, yes. I don't know that off my heart, but you're the second person to bring up the serenity prayer on this podcast. Yeah. You are. I can't remember who it was. It was before Christmas. Sorry, continue. Yeah, that's so, funny. But having the courage to change the things that you can and, you know, the strength to, or the wisdom to accept the things that you can't, can't change. change. That's it. You yeah. got it. Yeah. So that was sort of the, the nod for me. And the project bit is, is yourself, right? You are your best investment, mm. your best project, and it's something that you'll always be working on. So, yeah, Project Athena, it was. So I suppose, can you, like, I am part of the Facebook group, but what is it that is the, the purpose of it? So do you, is it to empower women to kind of propel them more with their business? Would I be right in saying that? It's to elevate them, um, to tell the stories of the good work that they're already doing or the things mm-hmm. that are fascinating about them that they might not even appreciate themselves fully. Yeah. And it's to build confidence in women to help them advocate for themselves better, mm. which I think is something we don't always do as well. Yeah. So Lorna, what are you most grateful for in your life? Oh, I think I'll use your word and that's curiosity because that is the sort of superpower that will help you discover yourself, deepen your relationships, keep learning. Yeah, so Mm. keen sense of curiosity. Yeah, you definitely have that. Yeah. (laughs) So Lorna, has so tell me, has there been any type of content that you've consumed like um, a book or a quote or an inspiring person that's influenced you in a positive way? Many. I mean, you look around at the people that you know and there's podcasts and so much material out there and books, you know, it's that constant learning. Um, But if I had to pick one, the one that comes to my mind right now is a quote by Mariana Williamson. And it's about our deepest fear being um, that we are powerful beyond measure. And we ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented and fabulous? And actually, who are you not to be? And it goes on, you know, um, to talk a little bit more. But in the summary, it says, as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. Mm. And going back to that piece around being expected to be humble and you know, if you don't let that light shine, you're doing yourself a disservice. Plus, you never know who you're influencing. So that really helped me turn things around and step into my own power, my own personality, take up a bit more space. And, you know, many people, especially women have sort of, um, through the coaching and through just the way I, you know, live my life without thought, go, that's actually been really helpful to me and given me the courage to do the same. And that to me is the best words I can hear. Yeah, I love that, that when when your own light, when you're shining, you give others permission to shine. Yeah, you don't take yeah. away from anybody by mm. being your best self. You know, don't shrink yourself so that other people feel intimidated or don't feel intimidated. Mm. So, God, you're speaking to me there. 
Mm. <laughs> like yeah. we say, maybe it's a time and the place. <laughs> yeah, but you, yeah, I totally relate to that. Because mm. I think we do as women, we do shrink ourselves because we we don't want to intimidate people. Like honestly, you've just yeah, we're often told we're too too this, too, too that, too yeah. outgoing, too you know, too yeah. much makeup, too little makeup. It's just always these sort of judgments that that do you sort of you can't make everyone happy, but you chop little bits off and. And you this tight little thing, and eventually, hopefully, you'll just sort of break, break out and yeah. <laughs> and own that space. Yeah, take yeah. up more space. Go on, enjoy it, live your life. Do you mind me asking? Just because you're you're so empowered, what is your dream for your daughter? <sighs> I I love her name, by the way, Rosie Athena. Like, what a name! Such a cool name. Yeah, I love the femininity with the sort of fire of Athena. So I like that balance. I used to think feminism was all about, you know, rejecting femininity. And it's only as you get older and start reading about these things, you're like, no, you can be everything and anything you want to be. And I think for both of my children, I mean, my son is called Ezra and that word um, means helpful. Mm. So for me, it's about how you make other people feel rather than any sort of tangible goals. I never would say, you know, be this, be that. I would love for her to make the difference that she is most capable and interested to make. And the same for my son as well. Mm. I hope that they both go down the social justice um, route in whatever they do. I think we need to build a more inclusive culture for different nationalities, different genders, etc. Um, but yeah, let's, let's see what they come up with. As long as they've got those basics of feeling confident in who they are and being kind then I really can't complain if I achieve that as a mother well it sounds like they've got a fantastic mother to be their role model yeah I think um these are the moments where and I shouldn't but you go oh my gosh I'm not (laughs) not as great as I sound you know like you talk about empowerment and I'm like but I'm also crippled by anxiety but I think this is what resilience is right it's Mm. um it's pushing through the challenges that you have Mm. and making the best of what you've got you know my life isn't perfect I am not a perfect person by any stretch of the imagination definitely not a perfect mother um but we're all doing our best right yeah of course but that's human yes it is it is there's no point striving for perfection because we'd we'd run ourselves to the ground (laughs) you can't yeah no fear of achieving it right yeah oh I love your outlook I really do thank you yeah I do (laughs) it wavers like everything else but no it's um yeah, sometimes you just have to consciously remind yourself. And like I say, mm. with the journaling, with the conversations with friends and coaches, you know, you can generally stay on track, even, yeah. you know, progress isn't linear. But yeah, and, and, and like you said, you're touching on those tools, like the coaching and the journaling and the, having a strong base of connections with friends, like, you know, utilizing those tools and reaching out is so important, you know? It is, yeah. yeah. And not to be afraid to reach out. Yeah, and it's not waiting till things get to disaster point with mental health. You know, you don't have to be suffering before you go and see somebody. When it comes to your mm-hmm. career, you don't have to be, you know, down and out before you go and seek career guidance. Uh, don't suffer. Announce more than you have to. Yeah. You know, struggle is inevitable, but suffering, hopefully. We're not born to suffer. Yeah, there's more to life mm-hmm. than suffering, let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah, yeah. So, tell me, what is the song you've chosen for today it is tusk by fleetwood mac oh i love fleetwood mac (laughs) yes great band yes and it's one of their songs that doesn't get as much airtime as it should i think it's fantastic it's got the whole uh, marching band element to it and it just really is quite vibrant and exciting and do you remember the first time you heard it 
I don't. I think it's one of those things where you grow up with your parents' music and mm. um, you revisit it as an adult and some of them you can remember. Um, but no, I just... It's just all-consuming. It's very rich and energetic and I just love that. Now, I have to confess, I can't say I know it. Yeah. I, I know the typical songs of Fleetwood Mac, but I'm definitely going to give that one a listen. Yeah, you should. I Tusk. think that's what's nice about it. It's a bit unexpected. Yeah. Well, Lorna... Thank you so much for today's podcast episode. I feel like we've touched on a broad range of topics. Would you like to tell people where they can find you on social media? Yes, I'm at Lorna King Coaching and at projectathena.me. Lorna, honestly, thank you so much. You've been so authentic and so open and um, yeah, I can't wait to see what happens next. Thank you so much, Ailish. It's been a pleasure. Good to catch up with you again and uh, yeah, best of luck to all your listeners.